A new Star Wars journey begins in the place all good journeys begin. At, well, the beginning. This Star Wars Day, I'm excited to introduce the new Star Wars Canon Timeline Podcast, where we will piece together the complete story of that galaxy far, far away, in timeline order, from the dawn of the Jedi through the great unknown following the sequel trilogy. This is a podcast for both Star Wars superfans and complete newbies. Listen to the short intro episode now to hear how it works and what to expect over the coming weeks as we set the stage for the new television series, The Acolyte, which we will be covering with weekly breakdowns. Subscribe to the Star Wars Canon Timeline podcast wherever you listen to take part in one of the most epic and expansive stories ever told, following all the twists and turns from start to finish. May the 4th be with you all, all month and beyond. Welcome to the Kaleidoscope Podcast, where the Lorehounds, your guides to a multicolor heist. I'm John. And I'm David. And this is our coverage of the Netflix original series Kaleidoscope, The Violet Episode. Each podcast will cover an episode of this unique show that allows you to watch in any order you want. We will avoid spoilers for all the other episodes on each podcast until the final episode, which should be white for all viewers. Check the show notes for our full watch order. In this episode, we'll be doing a scene-by-scene breakdown of the episode titled Violet. As Netflix has randomized the viewing order for each user, be sure to manually select each episode if you want to follow along with us. A reminder, you can send us your feedback to lorehounds at thelorehounds.com. If you want to keep talking Kaleidoscope with us, join us over at the Bald Move Discord. Link in the show notes and at baldmove.com. We have a well-moderated server and dedicated threads set up for Kaleidoscope. Each episode is siloed so you can join the conversations at any time without worry of spoilers. A quick reminder about our Patreon. If you like what we're doing and want to support us directly, check us out at patreon.com slash thelorehounds. For just three bucks a month, you get early access, ad-free versions for everything that we've done. Of course, you can get our ad-supported podcast on our Lorehounds feed by searching for us on your podcast application of choice. All right, David. We're doing Violet today. What are your thoughts? Yeah, um, this was one of my favorite and least favorite episodes of the whole thing. So, uh, disclosure, I think we both, we've, we've now both watched the, the whole thing. We're still siloing spoilers, so we're giving you our reactions as the, uh, you know, from our recollections of the episodes. But um, I can say with an overarching view that there was a lot that I liked about Violet. And then there was, from a story standpoint, and then from a production standpoint, I had a lot of problems with some of the scripting and the actor portrayals and stuff like that. So it was a real mixed bag for me. But I will say, I really enjoyed getting into the backstory of our two main characters and finding out what really is driving this intensity of this relationship over whatever 27 years or whatever the yeah. the timeline of the episode is. So, yeah, so a real mixed bag episode for me. What do you think? Yeah, you know, I mean, I think that it is pretty common knowledge. It's part of the advertisement for the show that this is a story about a heist but also about revenge. And yes. so you know that this is going to be a conflict between Ray and Graham here. Mhm. 
So finding out why that exists was a satisfying detail. It was the, like the actual cause of it was satisfying. The yeah. execution, as you pointed out, was less than satisfying. Yeah. But it was it was fine. It was fine. Yeah. It served its purpose. I do wish they did some things better. Uh, but it was a fun ride until the end, and then it was not so fun. <laughs> and you know, it was it was nice to see these guys in their prime, basically. Yeah, exactly. Um, well, should we just get into our scene by scene breakdown then? I think so. I think so. So we're twenty four years before the heist. Yeah. Ray breaks into a building while a narration addressed to his daughter plays. Graham tries to get an investment client by wooing him and bringing home two women from the bar. Ray prepares to break into the vault, but gets a 911 page. He ignores it and proceeds. So this, I was very confused about what was happening at uh-huh. first, because, right. you know, in the trailers, even if you look, this guy who is Graham in this episode does seem like this, you know, suit, this upstanding guy. And so I'm thinking, like, maybe he is this investment banker right now. And he's going to get pulled into this by Ray. Right. Okay. So you thought he was like a mark or something. Well, I don't know if he was a mark, but I think that he was maybe um, somebody who was going to start being involved with Ray because he wanted more than what he was getting with investment banking. Right. Right. Got it. What did you think about this scene? Yeah. So um, obviously with Graham, you know, like it's, this is a scene that we've seen a million times, you know, uh, in, in so many shows of, you know, con man working a con, you know, we've got the, you know, some, you know, sex workers lined up and everything like that. So it was like, okay, you know, this is, this it all seems pretty straightforward. And then watching Ray, you know, get into action, like I was waiting for the thread to um, intertwine. And when it did, when like, Graham walks into the room and raises. I'm like, oh my god! Like it, that actually worked on me. Like they they set that up nicely, and I had a a nice little titillation there of like, oh shit, he's about to get caught. Oh no, wait, they're partners. Oh okay, yeah. this is cool. Right yeah. then, then I was like, okay, I'm in. I'm interested in what's going down here now. Right. No, I think that you're right. This was some of the better part of the episode. Yeah. Um. So Graham returns to the home of his prospective client. You know, supposed prospective client. Uh, he finds Ray there and tells him to hurry up. The two complete the job, and Ray hides in the safe while Graham distracts the owner. Ray nearly suffocates, but Graham helps him pry it open. Ray escapes. Ray and Graham then celebrate their win. Ray gives Graham a watch, and Graham emphasizes how Ray almost suffocated. So this was a really interesting scene. I was not expecting this to be why he because I, I think the blurb of the episode said yeah the, Ray, this guy Ray he's trying to get out of a life of crime I was not expecting this to be the reason right right I thought it was going to be like his family or something but he's he's like no I literally almost died <laughs> yeah that was a pretty scary scene too with um with uh Ray trapped in the safe like I was like like he went in like so he comes back in with the mark right and then you're like okay where's Ray Oh, he's hiding behind the door or whatever. And it's like, oh, no shit, he's in the safe. Like, this is bad. Um, and they set up the whole thing of the, the, the pry bar. You know, they, 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 they gave us the, um, what do you call it? The, uh, 
Chekhov's gun sort of, you know, in one act here, like, oh, you know, this safe is wonky. And now he's in there. And like, that was a a little bit nerve wracking. And then I thought, so when when Ray jumps down, and he sees Graham in there partying, and he kind of pauses for a minute, like, he's like, motherfucker, like, I'm doing this work, I almost suffocated. And you're like, having a good time in here. Not like he's, he's a family man. It's not like he's going to go party in there anyway. But you can see that little granules of uh, resentment starting to form. And like he's doing the hard work. They're both doing hard work, like, you know, no question. But it's like this question of perception. Right. And I think when we get into the the deeper motivations of the two characters, it's kind of, it reminds me a little bit of House of the Dragon, the way that they were setting up House of the Dragon this year, where there's these little lies or these little resentments or these little tit for tats that don't get resolved, and then they kind of fester, and then they add up over the years to become, you know, it's the pebble in your shoe. It feels like a boulder, but, you know. So I, I liked how they did that. I like how, I like the portrayal of how these two characters are, you know, they're relying on each other, but they're also stressing each other out a little bit. Yeah, there's definitely a little bit of tension there right away. Because, you know, Ray is the one, you're right, he's the one doing the work. And he's the one risking a lot of exposure. Like, he makes a line later in the episode, like, what happens when the police show up and a black man is breaking into a white man's home? Yeah, exactly. And I thought that was an interesting thing where the show went a couple of times with some of these racial politic things. And it's like, well, yeah, like, what if what if a security guard or a police officer saw Ray jumping down from a second floor balcony? Right. Right? Like, you know. He's the one who gets Graham. shot. It's not Ray. Yeah, I mean, exactly. it's not uh Graham. Graham, right. Graham's the one who's like, uh, whatever. Yeah. He's like, oh, that's crazy. You got broken into? Wow. <laughs> wow. Didn't expect that. Bummer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It is definitely a higher risk for the re- same reward, it seems like. Right. For Ray than it is for Graham. And then, yeah, then they, they, they make a point throughout, I think, the, the series, too, of like, you know, you may steal 100000 but you may only walk with twenty k yourself because you got to fence it, you've got expenses, you've got the split after the, you know, after the fence and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, you may, you may be thinking you're, you're raking in the big bucks, but in reality, you're still taking home some pocket change. Yeah, it's the Saul Goodman speech, right? Say, hey, you know, maybe you can get this much out of it after you launder it. Right, exactly. Okay, so Ray returns home to his wife, Lily, and gives her an expensive piece of jewelry. His daughter, Hannah, comes in to greet her dad and show off her karate. Ray and Hannah go out to breakfast and play a game where they give strangers a backstory. Graham calls Ray to convince him to take a job in Vegas. So this is where I falter a little bit. Like, I'm totally down. Like, the overall meta story of Ray and his daughter, you know, and, and Hannah, I'm, I'm like in for. And his wife. And I thought it was really interesting that they didn't play the way they kind of they broke the trope of, oh, the con man who keeps a secret. It's like, no, his wife knows what he does and she's like fully supportive of it. I mean, obviously the kid doesn't know, but like, I thought that was an interesting play in, in terms of the, the genre. But then just kind of the silly stuff of like, you know, show me where you're brave and show me where you're strong. Okay, I'm a dad. Uh, that stuff gets me like naturally, like it goes straight into my heart, right? Fine. 
But then it was just like, oh, I know exactly what they're doing here. This is going to be some ending scene where, you know, dad and daughter reconcile, whatever their, you know, trajectory is. This is stuff that's going to play back. So it was a little bit too on the nose for me, even though it got, it pulled on my heartstrings. Yeah, I will say that without Giancarlo Esposito's masterclass in acting, this doesn't work for me. It's, right. um, it's, a, it's very reliant on his ability to emote and yeah. to make me feel what his character is feeling. I don't know if this show works without him. What do you think of Giancarlo's um, acting here? Like, this is the most acting we've seen in a long time. I mean, when he plays, uh, what is it, Moff Gideon? Um, in, well, I haven't uh, watched uh, th- that part of Mando yet. Oh, so. right. Yeah. Okay. Well, we'll see. Anyway, spoilers. Uh, when he plays that role, and then when he obviously plays Gus Fring, he's very And even stoic Stan and Edgar flat. in The Boys, same character. Oh, right. Yeah, exactly. Stan, I totally, how could I forget that? Um, this is like the most acting we've ever seen him do, like full range, you know, smiles and laughs and sadness, you know, and, and just dealing with normal emotional ups and downs of life. It's, it's um, I'm not used to it, <laughs> yeah. to be honest. I saw a little bit of that because I played Far Cry 6 or at least some of it. And he was they did like a whole motion capture and modeling after him. And okay. he was the voice actor and he was this like dictator who was a family man, but it was a whole thing. And so he did a little bit of acting in that more than his usual tough guy shtick. Got it. Okay. But yeah, no, this is this is good to see. Like, he's got chops. There's a reason he's a big name. Sure. Ava examines the take and expresses concern about the government's crackdown on money laundering. She offers to set him up, but he does not want to get any bigger and get caught. So this is our introduction to Ava in this episode, right? Yeah, way back when. I don't know what I'm, I, I, her, her like black beret sort of, you know, <laughs> I don't know, French resistance sort of look. I, I it thought was it was the a 90s. Little bit... There were no rules in fashion. All right. All right. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> it was a little bit much for me, I will say. I don't know. You look at the fashion in some of the 90s and definitely the early 2000s and like, I don't know, this show got it right. There's some weird stuff going on. That's true. That's true. I should know. I mean, you know, I, I spent a, a guitar a part of my life in the 90s. Um, <laughs> interesting, too, they set up here the swimming pool thing, because that stuff, this stuff comes in uh, uh, later. But yeah, they, it's interesting how they've taken different elements and threads from the different episodes and woven them together. It would have been really interesting to see the red string corkboard in the uh, writer's room of how they were connecting all of these uh, bits and pieces so that they flow across all of the the episodes so that in a different episode we hearken back to something we saw from a previous episode yeah uh we will definitely connect some of those dots on our white episode and then maybe the season wrap up but yeah yeah i i still think i still think after watching the whole thing that this thing was hindered by the format and not helped by it well we i have thoughts yeah Yeah. i'm with you on that as well so we'll we'll save those (laughs) like this episode i think would have done very well as like number two or three right for everybody right but we'll see we'll see how this goes um we'll we'll get there make sure you write in at lorehands at the if you want to share your thoughts too yeah i'd love to see some um what other people think like what their theories on what a fun order for them would have been i would i'd love to hear some personal takes on 
how you would have uh, constructed it and having full knowledge, like, okay, now that I've watched it all, how would I arrange the Lego blocks? I think it would be kind of fun to compare a few of those. So right in. All right. So Ray tells Lily that the job almost went bad in uh, with with Graham and the safe at the beginning and that he wants to give up on crime and start an auto parts business. This was a big turn for Ray. Yeah, for sure. Um, and I really liked how Lily is like, she's like, are you sure? Like, I mean, she, you know, obviously yeah. she doesn't want her husband to be like, you know, under threat of arrest, right? You know, like, an all, you know, on the run from the law and that kind of stuff. But at the same time, she knows her man. And she's like, yeah, are you really serious? Like, can you actually change? Like, I thought that was a fun twist in the, uh, again, one of those genre twists. Yeah, I mean, you don't see that often that like, the spouse is in on the crime and is fine with it. And not like, like you've seen the whole thing of like, okay, uh, a couple like a Bonnie and Clyde, like both doing the crime. But this is just like, if you started Breaking Bad and Skylar was like, yeah, cook meth. Yeah, <laughs> go for it. <laughs> it's uh, it, it's kind of interesting. I've, I've not seen this before. No, not at all. And, and it's interesting because she has a very mundane career as a, you know, bookkeeper type person and, you know, obviously yeah. raising their daughter when he's uh, on jobs and stuff like that. So, yeah, I think she's stay at home at the beginning and then she goes back to work after he quits crime. Right, right, right. All right, so Graham and Courtney, a woman he brings with him, I guess we don't see her again, so I don't know why I wrote down her name, but Graham and Courtney <laughs> visit Ray and Lily. At dinner, Graham explains loopholes to Hannah with bread. That was cute. Uh, I could totally see myself having that same conversation with my daughter. We were, we were talking about some stuff today that reminded me of, of this conversation, like as they're trying to explore the world and understand things. And I just love watching real, uh, Lily and Ray getting increasingly uncomfortable at which the ease that Graham is explaining loopholes to Hannah. And Hannah's like, yeah, I got that. Right. <laughs> like, yeah. And they're like, no, this is not a lesson we want you to learn. <laughs> right. Right. Do it's as I cute. say, not as I do, Ray says. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my daughter's still young enough where I don't have to worry about the loophole thing because she just, here's what I say not to do. She looks at me dead in the eye and she does it anyway. Brilliant. Brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So Graham and Ray have a little talk privately and Graham tells Ray they can slow down after the Vegas job, but Ray says he's done covering for Graham. And uh, he, you know, he brings in that, uh, statement that I talked about earlier, which is what happens when he gets caught as a black man breaking into a white man's home. And, and Graham is just partying it up. Like we saw in the beginning, it's, it's a really harsh difference. Yeah. That's that, those, those small resentments that didn't get healed or resolved. And, and obviously Graham has a different, um, he's rolling, right? He doesn't have a kid. Right. He's he's in a different sort of bracket in, in, in his life. And so I think that, you know, the stakes that Ray has, you know, with his family versus Graham, who's unattached and single, that chain, you know, that's a very different perspective. It's a very different mindset. And then you've got all these little little resentments that have built up over the time. Um, yeah. And then obviously, clearly, Graham is not expecting this, this is like a complete out of the left field where Ray has been psyching himself up to have that conversation for a while now. He's leaving the band. The band's breaking up. Well, while Ray takes a break from crime, we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. 
And we're back. And Ray is back in the legal work business. Ray starts his auto parts and repair business, but it is financially struggling. Graham visits Ray at work and teases him with a burglary, but Ray does not bite. What did you think of the, um, they didn't use, did they use anti-aging here? Or did they just pancake these guys with makeup? I think they just pancaked them with makeup. I don't think that this is that kind of show. It, it was a little hard. It broke my verisimilitude a little bit when, when Ray came in. And I don't know, the wig that they had on Giancarlo in, in this episode, it, it threw me for a little bit. So this is like where things are starting to falter for me in the episode, in, not in terms of the overall story arc, but in terms of the production values that they're putting into the show. I was a little bit, mm, and, and that's a bummer because I want to stay in the story. And then when you pull something like I'm looking at a picture of Giancarlo right now with the wig on and it just it looks bad. It, it yeah. just looks bad. And it it's sometimes I can ignore those things and then other times I can't. And, and I think it just built up a little bit too much for me in, in this in this scene. And this is where I was like, oh, this is getting a little wonky for me. Yeah, that was not the greatest de-aging I've seen. <laughs> no, <laughs> but I was like, eh, you know what? That's not the point of this episode. So. Well, yeah, better, better that you could, you could put it aside where I couldn't. Yeah, I don't, I'm not as bothered by those things. I mean, it's, right. it's like, eh, at first, and then I'm, I get over it. That's good. That's good. I will say, I want to mention this. The music throughout all these episodes has been absolutely amazing. Like, it is yeah, just such a, a good vibe set at the beginning of every episode. As a music guy, I was wondering how you were reacting, because it's real funky soundtrack. Yeah, yeah, it's really good. That's that's music I love to listen to. So uh, yeah, this was this was a perfect soundtrack for me. I I wonder if they put it anywhere. I got to look it up because yeah, I, sure. I might like put this on. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Good work song uh, thing. Yeah, I'm sure there's a Spotify out there somewhere or something. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. So Lily takes a job as a bookkeeper at a country club. Uh, while she's working, Hannah explores and is caught by club security. Ray shows up and gets into a yelling match with security and management and Lily is fired. Ray takes a pamphlet home with him, advertising a Christmas charity jewelry auction. This was just an uncomfortable scene. Like, I could just see, you know, the, the precocious kid bouncing around this, you know, big country shop. They clearly telegraph the whole cage thing, right? Like, we don't know what's going to happen, but, like, we know that that's going to, yeah. you know, uh, be a thing. And then when Lily puts on her headphones, I'm just like, oh, no, no good can come of this. Like, yeah. this is going to be the thing that is, there's tragedy involved in these headphones, right? I was just like, ugh. And so the whole rest of the episode, I was just sort of like cringing internally going like, okay, how is this going to play out? When is this going to play out? Like, what's going to happen? Please do not hurt the child. Well, obviously they can't because we see yeah. Anna as an adult. But still, I was just like, ugh, uh, for this whole thing. I thought that Graham might kill her. At, the fir at first, when I saw um, the headphones, I thought that Graham was going to kill Lily, maybe. Really? Yeah. I mean, I thought it was possible. I mean, he kind of does in the end. He, right. He's well, partially yeah. responsible, but... Right. Um, yeah, no, I thought that there might be some kind of malice going on. Uh, okay. Well, yeah, we ha and then we have this sort of whole uncomfortable country club thing, and uh, Ray's... I mean, it's, it's interesting, too, because it's not just the revenge between Ray and Graham, but like, here's Ray trying to get revenge on the country club as well, right? Yeah. He's going to use his dark arts to, you know, pay them back in spades. This is a thing, and I've, I've talked about how I've, I've read some 
psychology literature before about how uh-huh. often men are obsessed with slights and writing those slights mm, yeah, instead yeah. of just like moving forward. And Ray is someone who, and I think you see this throughout the whole series, I won't get into specifics, but Ray is someone who needs to write every slight that ever happened to him. Mm, this guy's got an Excel sheet, right? He's right. got an Excel sheet of people who have wronged him. And right. he's going to go down that list until he gets justice in his eyes. Yeah, well, we can't spoil any of the other episodes, but I, I, think, you're, I think you're putting on a, your finger on something that's very much at the core of this story and, and has consequences for all the characters, really. Yeah. Uh, because people can't let things go. So, yeah, I think that's a really good take. Uh, and, and if Ray had just made a couple of choices of letting things go a couple of times in his life, yeah, there's different things would have happened. Yeah, I agree with you there. Yeah, totally. Okay, so angry about Lily being fired, Ray plans a heist of the auction with Graham. Ray tries to tell Lily about it, but an awkward conversation stops him from going through with it. This was really hard to watch because you you know that something's going to go wrong. Like at this point, right. I'm like, okay, she's going to the she's going there and it's going to go bad and she's going to die there. Right. Exactly. You, they're they're telegraphing this the whole way through. I mean, like from the moment Hannah's playing around in the country club, it's like a downhill slide, and you know it's it, you, there's there's a big nasty chain link fence at the bottom of this snow slide, and you're going to smack right into it. Like there's no getting around it. Yeah. It was. Uh, this was. This was the moment where I was like, okay, that was the that was the mistake. That was the mistake that's going to kill her. Yeah. Ray and Graham go through with the heist and arrive at the club. Lily gets a call from her boss at the club asking her to come back and help after an employee could not come in. She agrees and goes to the club for work. Once there, she sets up alone in a room in the back with headphones and music on. Yeah, right? You're just like, oh, man. Oh, man. Here it comes. This could have gone one of two ways, right? Like, one was how it went tragically. Two was there's like a kung fu fight behind her and she can't hear it and it's funny. <laughs> Those were the only options. That's pretty funny. Yeah. Yeah. Some, yeah. Yeah. She's working away. And then meanwhile, it's like World War Three going on behind her and she's totally oblivious. Yeah. Yeah. Like Ray and, and yes. Graham having, having a fight with security behind her. Right. That would have been exactly. kind of fun to watch, but also cheesy. <laughs> Very. I did, uh, they did play some nice things in the um, uh, holiday party, like where Ray is mistaken as one of the waiters. And so he's got to hand out canapes and he hands some to, to uh, Graham. So I got a good chuckle out of that. I thought that was <laughs> cute. Yeah. Uh, I do think that they were doubling down on the race thing there. They were like, yes, okay, totally. black man in a suit is part of the help. Yeah. They did do a good job of reinforcing that. Even sometimes they did spell it out a lot, but I think yeah. that's, that's okay. I think that they, you know, you're doing one episode on this part of on the on these motivations. You need to make yeah. sure it's spelled out in this episode. Yeah, and I didn't I didn't detect too much overt other uh, agendas in the other episodes either. So it was really a, a lot in this one, and I think yeah. it was just setting up that Ray has this sort of like you said, like um, uh, uh, he's got a spreadsheet. And he's keeping track of the slights a little bit. So I think, I think it played well enough into his character that it didn't bother me over the, the, whole, um, the whole season. Right. And it's not that it's not accurate. I mean, it's accurate, right? Like yeah, it's, yeah. It's just in, in how, how are we portraying it and how we're, we're telling it through the story. 
I guess it's less how he's portraying it and less and it's more like how he reacts to it. Yeah. Like he reacts to to these slights with violence. Exactly. And yeah, revenge and wanting to get revenge. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Ray opens the safe and switches the jewelry for costume jewelry while Graham monitors guests going in and out of the showroom and tries to stall them. When Ray gets caught by a guard, Graham helps him fight him off. To buy more time, Graham lights the curtain on fire, which quickly gets out of control. Graham is not a good interference running guy here. He was, <laughs> he was really weak on, that, on, that, on his job. The one job he had, the really important job, he did not do a good job. No. He did help with the guard a lot. You mean in the fight fight itself? Yeah, or, in the actual yeah. fight. And then sure. he's like, what's the answer? Arson. <laughs> that was just really dumb. Really, really dumb. You know, get yourself under control, right? You know, get the guy out and, you know, do all the things. And then, do, you know, but like, yeah, that was a that was a rash decision. Well, even Ray gets that. He's like, hey, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was uh ooh, you at this point you can you can write the rest of the episode yourself, right? Like yeah, exactly. there's no second guessing what's about to happen. Except maybe that Graham is gonna be the one who like I thought at this point, like maybe Ray blames Graham for lighting the fire. And that's right. how his wife died, and so that's the their event. But what we see later is even worse. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so the club is evacuated and Ray goes outside to see Lily's car. He and Graham search for her, and Ray finds her pinned down in a burning room. He tries to save her, but is behind a grate. Graham appears on the other side and is in a better position to save her, but runs away to avoid being caught. Ray runs to the other side to save her, but it is too late. Yeah, tough. Uh, really tough. And, and I think now, the, for the rest of the season... We now understand the tenacity at which Ray is operating, you know, that what's, what's really driving him, what, like, how much hate can you have in your heart to go to the lengths that he's going to go to, to get back at Graham? It's pretty laid bare here, and it's a, you know, you, you can't argue with it. It's a pretty straightforward case of, like, I'm going to get revenge on this motherfucker. Yeah, and I mean, Roger, Graham, whoever you want to call him, really did take everything from Ray. Like, this was everything. His family, mm -hmm. his career, his freedom, just absolute destruction of a human being's life. Well, did he, he took it. It's interesting because, you know, we say, t like, taking, right? Like, that's an act of, like, you know, doing something. And what he didn't, what, what happened was he didn't do something. So it's an interesting, by not taking an action, he took something away. So it's kind of an interesting inversion in, in that way because he panicked and ran and didn't save her, you know, as opposed to like doing something else, like actually do, taking some other overt action. I don't know. It's, I think it's an interesting thing because Ray blames him for taking his daughter and his wife and, and his job and all these kinds of things, but Ray didn't do anything. And it was an, an act of omission as opposed well, to an act of, I don't know, do you, yeah, I, I'm, I'm, maybe I'm belaboring the point a little bit. I think that acts of omission normally don't create a lot of culpability, but if you are the cause of the hazard, like you lit a oh, fire. Oh, that's true. Right, yeah, yeah. Then yeah. now that's it's your true. responsibility to rescue the people who are burning in the fire. That's a very good point. I was, uh, I was neglecting the, uh, the fire part of the yeah. equation. If there. this was just like, like a regular said, fire, like yeah. it just started... 
then yeah. okay, Asterno you can you can debate the morality over. of what Graham yes. did. Right. But he's the guy who actually lit the fire. So yeah, her right. death is on his hands. Yeah, you're absolutely right. It's like that meme with the guy shooting somebody and going, why would they do this? Right. <laughs> or is it the one that where you stick the stick in the bike wheel of yourself and you blame somebody else? <laughs> yeah, it was definitely... I mean, there's no way that Graham gets out of culpability for this because Ray did not sign up for arson. He signed no. up for a quick in and out, swap out the costume jewelry job. Exactly. And some nice jewels, too. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I like their line. Uh, oh, why does anybody buy the real stuff? The costume jewelry looks so good. <laughs> Just good enough. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. Kind of funny. All right. So the last scene is Lily is in the hospital while Ray and Hannah wait for her. While she is dying, the police come to arrest Ray. Before they arrest him, Ray sends Hannah with Ava. So this is interesting because this is somehow where the the break where, where Hannah's life goes on to this whole other different direction that Ava is somehow able to arrange. And I don't think we, I don't want to spoil anything, but we don't ever really get more into those details. Hannah just goes away. I kind of wish that they elaborated a little bit more on that. Uh-huh. I could have used the Hannah bottle episode. Yeah, that would have been cool. Yeah, I, 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 think, I think that would have been nice to yeah. see like see her like a nice you know uh, training montage you know you know a little something of of her like conquering the day and getting her smarts and getting her degrees and you know kicking ass at work and that kind of stuff that would have been at least something even in part of an episode let alone a whole bottle episode yeah it would have been nice to to um establish her as a more of a full cast member rather than this sort of satellite piece yeah, I think that part of it is the showrunners, if I'm getting in their heads, I think that they're saying, well, we need her to be a little bit of an enigma for this plot to work, for like certain twists to work. But like, I could have used a little bit more development of her because it yeah. just, it just, I don't know. I don't think she was developed enough by the end. Yeah, agreed. But you know what? I mean, I think that there was a different way to do the show where you could have like focused on a character each time. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if that would be better. Arrested Development did that in season four, and that's another Netflix revival. It was actually canceled like back in the day, and they revived it. And they actually did that because all the actors had gotten famous since the show was canceled, uh -huh. and uh, they couldn't get everybody in the same room. So they did bottle episodes for the oh, whole that's season. That's cool. That's great. And it was not well received. Like it oh. was, it was uh, <laughs> like there was a lot of good comedy, but it was so there was so much backlash on the way that they only focused on different characters, that they ended up re-editing the whole season into chronological order and like mixing up the characters in each episode. And now to get to the original release, you have to go to more in the Netflix tab. No, oh, funny. It's uh, so I don't know, maybe maybe these showrunners saw that and they were like, yeah, no, people wouldn't like that. So we're, we're right, gonna do yeah, it uh, going based on time. Road. Right, fair enough. All right, so that's it for the recap. Do you have any other thoughts on this episode, David? No, like I said, uh, I really, I think in the in the way that the show works, and obviously we're going to talk about it in our in our season wrap. There are a lot of things that I like, and there's a lot of things that uh, don't work for me. One of the things that was working for me in this episode, despite the production issues, was the backstory. I was down for a nice, clear, you know, understanding who these characters are. Like I wanted to care because, like, by the end of the season. 
I want to care what happens to Ray. I want to care what happens to Hannah. And I think Violet is the one episode where I really got that juice, where I really felt like my core characters were serviced so that I had some feels when I got to the end of it. So, um, but then, yeah, production wise, it's interesting. They, I, they, they splashed some money on this show for sure. But then in other places, I think they went a little skin, skint. And um, yeah, some of the production details and, and honestly, some of the acting wasn't the best. So mixed episode, but you know, I thought it was an important one for the show. I'm wondering if this episode works if it's number seven that you watch. Mm. If you watch that after the postscript episodes. See, this is what I think would be cool is to like, you know, play around with the Lego pieces a little bit here and like examine and think about what different orders. Because, yeah, that would be cool to have it as the very end thing. So you like you go through all this trauma and trouble and like everything else that happens. And then you're like, but why? And then at the end, oh, that's why. And that's cool. That would be a cool ending. I think that would be a cool way to end the season. Yeah, I don't know. Well, maybe we'll discuss that on the season wrap-up, but for now, let's do some housekeeping. First off, let's thank our lore masters on Patreon. That's our highest tier. We have some Martian, Mark H. and Michael G. Thank you so much to you and all our patrons. It really helps us keep going, making more podcasts, doing experimental shows like Kaleidoscope with this, because we were not sure how this was going to go, and I think we're having fun with it. Yeah, for sure. Um... It's it's a tough one to do because of the, the binge and everything like that, but uh, it's kind of fun to do just a light, quick surface coverage of something, too. So, yeah, it's good. Yeah. And if you're listening to the public feed and you want early access and maybe a shout out if you get in that tier, uh, song downloads for the themes, you just head on over to patreon.com slash the lorehounds and it'll be there for you. Um, David, what do we have going on with uh, A Clash of Kings? Because I know that we have some plans brewing with Maester Anthony. All right, yeah, we just uh, uh, connected with uh, Maester Anthony, and he is going to have us read chapter 11 of Clash of Kings, which is the Theon, the first Theon uh, chapter in that book. So that oh, is going to be a fun one. Yeah, so we're going to get back to uh, the Island of Pike and uh, all that sort of silliness that uh, Theon gets up to when he goes home trying to be the prodigal son. Yeah, you know, this is my second go through on the A Song of Ice and Fire books. The first three books are really excellent. So mm-hmm. I'm I'm looking forward to revisiting these. I think I'm going to actually start with the Game of Thrones and just read through since we have oh, wow. a little bit over a month. Well, you know what? Right. I read a lot. I figured I'd, I'd just put that in my queue. Sounds good. So we will release a date um, once we uh, secure that with Anthony. Uh, but if you're interested in what we're doing, it's going to be Theon 1 of uh, Clash of Kings. And uh, yeah, that'll be fun. I'm looking forward to that conversation. It's all, Maester Answer is always a good conversation. Yeah, definitely. Now, if you're listening to this on the public feed, then this weekend you're going to hear Bald Move on The Last of Us on HBO. I'm really excited to see that show and to hear them talk about it. I just recently replayed the first game. And uh, I just can't wait to see how this show turns out because it is such a great game and it is such yeah. a good narrative and the twists and turns. You know, we talk on this podcast about like, are we seeing people having the natural consequences of their action or are we seeing the plot move forward via the characters? And I think that The Last of Us, at least the game, really moves the plot forward based on the natural consequences of the characters' motivations. Right. 
So I'm really looking forward to that. So check out uh, Bald Move at baldmove.com if you want to see their coverage of The Last of Us. So I'm looking at their schedule right now. On Tuesday, the 10th of January, they're going to do a preview. Ooh. And then we're going to have our next two episodes for Kaleidoscope out on the 11th and then on the 14th. So that's all next week. Mm-hmm. And then on Thursday, the 12th, will be uh, An- A- Anthony's regular Electric Bukaloo, so whatever chapter he's up to next. And then on Sunday, the 15th, it looks like the guys are going to do an instant take for The Last of Us uh, Episode 1. I'm glad you brought up Sunday the 15th, because that is the day that Second Breakfast comes out for our patrons. If you missed last month, we did a really super-sized Second Breakfast that we released publicly on Christmas. Uh, with our top shows of 2022. So definitely check that out if you missed it. And if you want more Second Breakfast every month, sign up for our Patreon. All right, sounds good. I think that's everything for now. We'll keep everybody posted as we go forward. Um, We're waiting in January is always a quiet month in the podcasting world, but we've got some things uh, looking down this year. So we're pretty excited. We've got some, some good shows coming up and we'll keep everybody posted here in these programming notes. Very cool. Thanks so much, and see you next episode. The Lorehounds podcast is produced by the Lorehounds and published by Bald Move. You can get ad-free and early versions of these episodes at patreon.com slash the Lorehounds. Connect with us on Twitter at the Lorehounds. You can send questions and feedback about this podcast to lorehounds at thelorehounds.com. Any opinions stated are ours personally and do not reflect the opinion of or belong to any employers or other entities. Thanks for listening. A new Star Wars journey begins in the place all good journeys begin. At, well, the beginning. This Star Wars Day, I'm excited to introduce the new Star Wars Canon Timeline Podcast, where we will piece together the complete story of that galaxy far, far away, in timeline order, from the dawn of the Jedi through the great unknown following the sequel trilogy. This is a podcast for both Star Wars superfans and complete newbies, Listen to the short intro episode now to hear how it works and what to expect over the coming weeks as we set the stage for the new television series, The Acolyte, which we will be covering with weekly breakdowns. Subscribe to the Star Wars Canon Timeline podcast wherever you listen to take part in one of the most epic and expansive stories ever told, following all the twists and turns from start to finish. May the 4th be with you all, all month and beyond.